Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and today it is Good Friday. And um, Good Friday is the first of three days in which Jesus was killed, and he spent Saturday dead, and then he resurrected on Easter Sunday, or I prefer, and many others prefer to call it, Resurrection Sunday. So it's, again, the, it's, it's an important day that we take the time to set aside and recognize the death of our Lord and Savior on this day, um, because it, it's, it's important, you know, that the, the term good when applied here is not the typical English um, translation or thought that first comes to our simple thought and translation that comes to our mind of something being good as we would usually think of it as. It's more of a a, a marker of time, if you will, a, a reverence of a significant event that happened on this day. Um, again, we take time to celebrate these uh, events because it's important that we keep um, keep these very fundamental elements to our belief and faith uh, commemorated. Um, and it's, it's, thank God we can still do it freely right now. So take advantage of that. And um, always remember that there's nothing religious about this. Uh, there's nothing wrong with going to church on Good Friday. I'm looking forward to going to a service myself later on. But, um, you know, again, this is between you and the Lord. This is, uh, and, you know, w- w- with the body of believers that God has put you in, it's also a great time to gather. <laughs> Any excuse to gather in the name of the Lord with, um, you know, other believers is a great thing and great time. But, um Again, it, it's it's a day. It, it is a solemn day because it's it's again the day that Jesus was um, he, you know, was convicted falsely of being uh, you know a false prophet, a heretic. Um, you know, P- Pontius Pilate had a real, you know, he he had a real struggle with what to do with Jesus when he was um, trying to determine exactly how to balance out his own neck, if you will, and his own career quote-unquote versus um you know the people at the time calling for death to what he ultimately knew in his heart was an innocent man so the god man standing right before him um pilot's wife had a dream that basically indicated that jesus was innocent of the charges and he she shared that with pilot and you know again he was put in a position where he could have made any decision but He chose to have Jesus, um, he chose to listen to the crowd, listen to the world, if you will, and he um, chose to have Jesus tortured and then murdered by crucifixion. Um, But as we're going to see, I mean, that was all part of God's bigger, greater divine plan for us, for men, for for his very creation, his, the, the top creation that he ever um, really made, um, as far as we know, and up to this point, um, we we are the, um, we have been given dominion over the earth, over all that's in it. Uh, and obviously we, we do, (laughs) there's no question that humankind rules the planet. I mean, it is, uh, it's ours. It's our big playground. Unfortunately, a lot of factors have played into really, 
um, destroying this planet, you know, um, a lot of waste, a lot of just um, horrible uh, practices over the centuries have, recent centuries have really accelerated the um, process of the earth being in a really bad state right now. Um, with the amount of pollution we see, the amount of um, other factors, uh, it, you know, it all goes hand in hand with the spiritual depravity of this world. And um, again, the, this significant event here is Jesus. He was here to preach God's message and then ultimately to fulfill this cause, being the sacrificial lamb for the world for us so that we could have fellowship with God. He is the bridge between mankind and God himself, uh, God the Father. So um, he's it's an amazing event, but again, it's something that we take time to really look at and uh, give reverence to because it, it's, a, it's an important, important day to always just, you know, realize and recognize. So... Without any further ado, we're going to get into today. We're going to look at First Peter. We're going to look at um, just the amazing uh, passages that Peter wrote were really incredible. Then we're going to look in. We're going to jump back to Isaiah, Isaiah fifty-three, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament and, and chapters, if you will. And um, also, it's just you know, it, it again just reaffirms and confirms all who Jesus was. You know, the book of Isaiah, the prophet was alive approximately seven to eight hundred years before Christ ever even stepped foot on this earth. And the accuracy in which he um, was able to prophesy about all of the things Jesus would go through and then ultimately fulfill when he was here, you know, is again, just nothing more than an awesome testimony of the amazing work that the Holy Spirit has been always doing on this earth through men. Um, and, you know, it's amazing when you see how prophecy was given through men and then fulfilled through the God man. And there's also prophecy being fulfilled by people and the church and all kinds of things. And ultimately, the ultimate prophecy will be fulfilled in the later times in the book of revelation right now we're living in those end days in the uh, age of the church if you will we're living in a time in which god is basically collecting all of his people all that are called out of the world he is collecting them saving them one by one day by day until he determines that the net is full and you know, it's it, it's a dual reality when I look at it. God collecting the souls of men and collecting um, the souls of his people and children. But then you also have Satan at work on this earth doing his evil deeds. And we see the direction the world's going. It's just absolute chaos. There's so much uncertainty all over the globe. There's just... Well, the Bible says there's going to be wars, rumors of wars. I mean, what's going on right now is very, again, prophecy being fulfilled before our eyes in our lifetime. Yet people still deny it and reject it because, you know, accountability is something that people do not want to live up to. But it's a scary thing when it comes down to it, because when you fall into the religious belief that, you know, good people go to heaven or you can you know, do good things and go to heaven or be a quote unquote good person. 
it's just not the reality or gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the people who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then once that happens, if there's a true conversion there, then God cleans up our lives. He he knocks the dross, the, the dross, the the ugly things off of the, the beautiful creation that he made so that they can shine his Holy Spirit light out to the world. So, um... Again, we're going to be in 1 Peter, we're going to jump back to Isaiah, and then we're going to jump up into the book of John. Again, just reading that amazing invitation that God gives the world to anyone who will believe in his son, he will give them eternal life and salvation. You know, we, we die, the Bible says we can die one death, that is our physical death, and then go be with the Lord. Or you're going to die two deaths. You will die a physical death. And then once judgment comes and Hades is truly opened, whatever all that means, then there will be a second death upon which that will be the true end of your existence and, and any possibility you had of ever, ever having any type of joy or, or anything in eternity. So I'd highly encourage you when we look at John 3.16 if you're not a Christian, um, seriously consider what God says and what, what his open-handed invitation is to all that will call on his name. So without any further ado, let's take a look at Good Friday in the Bible. Okay, and like I said, we are going to begin in First Peter. We're going to read chapter 3, verse 18 through chapter 4 verse 6 where it says again Peter speaking chapter 3 verse 18 for Christ also suffered once for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the spirit by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. So let's take a look quickly at the note for that passage right there. It Again, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22 in my Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Bible. It says, This difficult passage, undoubtedly clear to its first readers, has been variously interpreted. It probably refers to Christ's proclaiming through the event of his resurrection, the fruits of his victory to spirits in prison, them being demonic spirits. These spirits apparently were also behind the corruption of the world in Noah's day. This proclamation may be part of Christ's subsequent sovereignty over angels and authorities and powers. Nothing is said of a response from the hearers, and the passage ought not to be interpreted as referring to a second chance for salvation 
for those who refuse the truth in this life. So quickly there, the demonic spirits, you know, um, they, again, when Satan, Lucifer, when he rebelled against God, the father, against God, he took a third of heaven's angels with him in his rebellion to start his new kingdom, which, you know, obviously failed. God cast him out of heaven into the earth, onto the earth, if you will. And now Lucifer and his fallen angels, a.k.a. demons, are the corruptors of this earth, corruptors of man, corruptors of the world system. That's why you see all the death and destruction around us, because God is in control of everything, but he is also, through the through the initial sin of Adam, unfortunately, dominion was handed over from man to Satan to be the ruler of this world. So God in his divine plan, again, back in the garden, although man fell, dominion was given to Satan over this earth, which is, again, why you see all the anarchy, chaos, and just utter destruction going on right now. Um, he was, when man gave up that dominion and sinned and went against God and his order, Satan was given rule and reign over the earth. Um, but God always had a plan for man's redemption. Even in the garden, the, the Bible says he, that the enemy will bruise his heel, but eventually the heel will crush the enemy's skull or crush its head. Meaning, essentially, Satan tried to kill Jesus when he was here and did, hence Good Friday. But what he meant for his own evil purposes, when Jesus resurrected three days later and conquered death, he conquered Satan himself. And that's what this passage is saying. Jesus, when he rose and conquered death and was given again, he was given dominion. He was given authority over angels, authorities, and powers are all subject to him now because he lived a perfect sinless life, obedient to death. And eventually, you know, again, whatever Satan puts in our lives and means for evil, God can always use for good. So it's important that we always rely on the Lord. We always pray for understanding. We always pray for discernment. And you'd be amazed when you get a godly perspective on situations, how that can really change you as a person to give you understanding. I know me and many people, you know, it's hard to um, do something or to go in a direction without having understanding first, or at least understand why you're, you know, why this event may have happened, for example. But once you have understanding, then it's at least easier. But the situation may not be made, you know, it may not change. It may not be any different. The outcome may not be any different. But at least having that understanding really gives you a perspective to see a bigger picture sometimes and have, you know, just a true, um, a true spiritual understanding to what's behind some things that happen to us that, again, on the surface may appear bad or you know, like a, like a problem in life, but could also ultimately always be worked out for good and for better. So, um, it's important again, to keep that in mind as you walk this path, you know, walk the path that 
the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us through in life that, you know, we live in a fallen world, bad things are going to happen. But again, all things can be used for the glory of God. If we keep the right perspective, let him be the one to um, influence our reaction to events as well. So, um, you know, that's true spiritual maturity and growth right there. And I really, when you develop perspective, godly perspective and godly understanding, you know, these things that are presented in our lives um, become a lot easier to digest and a lot easier to live through when you, we may not always understand it or see the purpose right away, especially while we're going through it. But I can tell you 100% accurate and 100% truth that when you look back and you have a godly understanding and perspective and worldview, you can usually see the good that came out of situations that Satan himself may have wanted to use for bad. So um, let's continue here with the note says, Christ is the model for unjust suffering. It is the response of faith on the occasion of baptism that saves. In early Christianity, water baptism was much more closely linked to the initial confession of faith than is often the case today. So, um, again, that's just addressing the baptism, and it says, I, I like where Peter says in verse 21, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, like it says here, um, typically in the older time, in the beginning of the church, right when you received Christ and became, you know, a Christian and, and were converted, you would be baptized very quickly, um, just as a open um, recognition of your sin and then being washed of that sin spiritually. Of course, again, this isn't a religious ceremony like some religions do where they'll take a baby and put some water on their head and sprinkle that and call them baptized. That's not baptism. That innocent child has no idea what's going on. And frankly, um, although it was born into sin, I don't think that baby's really sinned at that point. And it's just, a um, again, this is a conscious recognition. The same way we publicly confess and profess Jesus Christ as our Savior, this is a symbolic event in which we obey, obey Jesus, obey God, and um, we, we go through this uh, ceremony or ritual, if you will, um, in you know, it, it's a great experience. I'm actually going to be baptized soon, and I look forward to it because, you know, I believe that um, at this time in my life, it's a good time to make that confession. It's almost a reaffirmation, you know. Uh, sometimes it's nice to just um, to, uh, for me, I know I, I have been having struggles in life, you know, but as we all do, but I feel like, um, you know, God's brought me through those tough times. So in my recognition and profession of who he is and what he's done in my life, I just feel like, you know, I feel at peace with, with being baptized again. And, um, I love it. It's sort of like, you know, you can compare it to like a couple that, Hey, I hope to find this someday, a couple that's in love, you know, a man and a woman who on their 10 year wedding anniversary, they may re renew their vows, if you will. Um, you know, they're, they're married, they're, they're happy, they're going on in bliss, but you know, at the same time, it's nice sometimes to just make that public announcement again and public confession and, uh, 
just to show people that you're, you know, you're still as strong as you were on day one, if you will. But um, thankfully, you know, marriages are a lot tougher than salvation. I'll tell you that because in salvation, we can totally rely on the Lord and he can give us joy, peace and happiness that no matter what you're in in life, no matter what situation you're in, it's uncomparable to that very peace and love and joy that is offered through the Lord. So, um, Again, it's um, it's an incredible experience, and uh, I like the way Peter says here again that it's he's very quick to say it has nothing to do with removal of filth of the flesh, meaning sin off off of our physical being. It's more of a it's a spiritual conscious thing that we do in recognition of God commanding us to do so. So. It's obedience, and that's what the life of a servant, as the note here says, Christ is the model for unjust suffering. He was the um, ultimate servant, um, the suffering servant, he's called sometimes, as we're going to look at in Isaiah. But, you know, um, again, Jesus served his ultimate purpose and fulfilled his ultimate calling by simply following what the father told him. I mean, Jesus prayed all the time. He would, if you think about it, you're like, well, you're God, you're God in the flesh. Why are you praying? But he was the ultimate example. And again, he was the ultimate innocent man that was killed. He was the lamb of God that was killed for all of the guilty criminals that are around the world, me included the unsaved included, you know, um, it's by his grace, we are saved. And it's by his hearing his voice and responding to that voice that we can stand firmly on the rock of salvation. Thank God for that solid rock that he gave us of the gospel of Jesus Christ, upon which we can build our lives and truly fulfill the purpose that God put us on this earth to fulfill just like Jesus did as our ultimate example. It's amazing how it all goes hand in hand. You know, God, it's, it, he's just amazing. His purposes are amazing. He's good. He has your best interest in mind. That this, Whether people realize it or not, they submit to things and, and different people and different organizations every day, and they may not even consciously recognize it. But trust me, you do. You drive a speed limit. You don't go out and rob banks. You don't... Um, cheat the system, if you will, you know, you, you do these things consciously, but you're also submitting and obeying things that have been put above you for good reason, because you don't want to suffer the penalties. But, you know, when it comes to submission to God, so that we don't suffer the penalties of our sin and death, it's amazing how spiritually that battle is so much greater than anything we can encounter in this physical realm. That's why prayer is so important. You can never write off the uh, importance and the power in which prayer can accomplish everything that we cannot. And every day when I'm struggling with whatever it may be, I just get to the point where I just fall on my knees and say, Lord, I can't do this. Please help me. And he meets me every time because it, that's who God is. He's good. So, and he's a responder to prayer. So let's um, continue here. We're going to look at verse, again, First Peter. We're going to jump to um, chapter 4 and read verses 1 through 6, where he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. 
that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough with our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live accordingly to God in the spirit. So, again, um, Peter just laying it out here, Christ suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves with also the same mind. Um, when we become Christians, when we get saved, God cleans out our closets real fast and convicts us of certain things in our lives that we should not be doing. Um, we call it sin. We call it, you know, acts of transgression, whatever you might want to call it. But Peter lists a few things here, lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. That word lewdness there is actually, it means total debauchery, unashamed indecency, unbridled lust, unrestrained depravity. The person with this characteristic has an insolent defiance of public opinion, sinning in broad daylight with arrogance and contempt. So, you know, lewdness, um, again, when we were out in the world, we behaved like the world. But when God calls us, he calls us out of the world. And, you know, trust me when I say you're not going to miss all the garbage that the world has to offer once you get a taste of the true meaning of life. That is life in Jesus Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, that's it's an incredible thing when you look at the the very same things that Peter lists over almost 2000 years ago are so applicable to today. And when you read that, that idea of lewdness and that person with the characteristic of an insolent defiance of public opinion, sinning in broad daylight with arrogance and contempt. I mean, these days you look around, uh, it's everywhere you look, there's just sin is more acceptable now than it's ever been, you know, out in the open, out in public. That's why when it, it refers back to the days of Noah here, where um, basically, you know, in that time, um, you know, the, while the ark was being prepared, there were so many doubters that there was, um, that there were people watching him do that and just mocking him for years as he built this ark. But then right when the rains began and they realized that there was about to be a serious event, the flood of the earth killing off again, like it said, all but eight people. Um, and I believe I, I'll look into this. There's a bottleneck they, that shows in human history. I believe science has found it where um, there's a bottleneck of people being brought down to a very small number and then repopulating the earth which this would obviously make a lot of sense. Um, not that I need science to confirm anything in the Bible, because frankly, you know, 
too much theory these days in science, not enough facts. I'll just say that and leave it there. But let's look at the notes here for First Peter again, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, where it says, Therefore, because Christ suffered, believers are to be prepared to follow him in suffering. This frame of mind has a purging effect, disciplining one to live for the will of God. The believer is to reckon himself dead indeed to sin. So quickly there, um, you know, in the Western culture, especially, we don't even understand or comprehend what the rest of the world's going through right now. But Christians are be being killed by the thousands every year simply for their faith. Um, a lot of Middle Eastern Muslim countries, it happens, but you also have in India, there's some really wicked things that go on in India with Christians. There's in China, I mean, North Korea, all these horrible, uh, just, just worldly systems that hate Christianity and openly allow them to be beaten and or killed. Um, you know, there's really not much of a punishment in those countries when it comes to killing people for their faith, which is an incredible a statement on exactly what is valued in this world and what's not. Um, but again, I mean, there's persecution everywhere and um, it's coming to the West. It's definitely all but here. I mean, you have a lot of groups right now, very influential throughout the um, government sectors, as well as throughout the corporate sectors that are really putting a, a, a death grip, if you will, on Christianity and Christian ideas. Um, right now, there's horrible movements um, that are basically trying to place one race over another um, consciously. They're um, just basically judging people on <laughs> judging people on how they look, which we teach our kids all day, you know, all the time. Don't judge a book by its cover yet. You know, the very people that say that they don't want that are doing it. And um, now it's, you know, if you don't uh, fulfill a certain intersectional um, questionnaire, then all of a sudden you're, you fall into a certain category. It's a very wicked, demonic way of looking at people. It's absolutely evil. It emboldens people falsely to go out and think they have a um, sense of privilege or right to just act um, according to their own ways and not according to civilized law, which, um, again, I see it all over the place. I live right outside of Philadelphia, the most violent city in America at this point. Um, and it's it's hard. I, I really don't look forward to this summer because I, I really think this summer is going to be a really, really bad year. I just have a sick stomach, a pit in my stomach every time I think about the future, especially as the weather gets warmer. And I see around me just the the lack of um, recognition of authority, the the absolute disregard for the law. Um, and, you know, this is what happens when you tell people that their, you know, laws aren't applicable to them, then they get emboldened and criminals just take advantage of it, as we've seen, you know, over the past couple years. And uh, now it's I, I really just I pray that this feeling, quote unquote, is wrong. But I really dread this summer of 2022 because I just think it's going to be a, a very violent and unsafe time 
in many cities across the country. Unfortunately, this city of Philadelphia I live in included. So, um, you know, uh, it's 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 a sobering time to live. You know, they, again, the, this passage here mentions the days of Noah. And, um, you know, Jesus says also, you know, it's prophesied that he will come back right when the days of Noah are here again. And, you know, they're all but here. You know, there's absolute no recognition of God, um, any divine authority. There's God has been all God has been rejected and um, by the world officially, you know, the foolishness of men shaking their fist at God. It's like, you know, it's like ants trying to wage war against human beings. It just makes no sense. I mean, we can just wipe them out with 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 no effort. And that's exactly what God did once. And he's going to come and do it again. But, you know when he comes again to judge the world, it's going to be to save the world from its own madness because, you know, we're going to get into revelation soon, but if you know anything about the end times, it's going to be ugly. There's going to be wars. There's going to be much bloodshed. There's going to be chaos and anarchy across the world. And it's already starting, um, you know, as again, as the satanic rule really starts to take hold in quote unquote, world leadership and government roles, as we see, um, that's only going to get worse. You know, it's, it's a, it's an odd effect that I observe right now on society, but, um, Hey, I have no fear, thankfully, because God is good. He is in control of all. And, um, I totally have faith that regardless of what we see around us, God is always there to, ensure that his people are protected and taken care of now again persecution death who knows what's coming around the corner for people that truly stand for the word but you know that's that's our calling again we are called to be the uh followers of christ and if you look at how the world treated him there's absolutely no reason to think that we're going to be treated any differently by the world so Let's look at, we're going to flip back to 1 Peter. We're going to jump to chapter 2, look at verses 21 to 25, where it says, again, commemorating Christ on Good Friday, his uh, crucifixion and his obedience unto death. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 25, it says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I love that passage. I, I love it just breaks down who Lord, who the Lord is, as well as, like I always say, I love when God just compares himself to a shepherd or an overseer of our souls. And he truly is. He's the good shepherd. He's the He's the, the um, pastor of the flock, if you will, and he is the, 
He is the one who rules with an iron rod, and he will come back as the Lion of Judah, just as he went out and was here as the Lamb of God. So looking at that word example, um, it means from hupo, under, and grapho. So hooper, hoop o graphimus, basically. It's quite a Greek word. Good luck. Um, but it means to write, hence, an underwriting. The word referred to tracing letters, copying the writings of the teacher. Then it came to denote an example to be followed. The example of Christ enables us to endure when we suffer for our faith. So keep that in mind always. Obviously, Jesus is the ultimate example and the um, the he was led, you know, before as a sheep before its shearers. He kept his mouth closed. He he could have done anything at that moment in time, but he was the good example and servant, obedient to death. So taking a look at the notes here for First Peter, again, chapter 2, verses 21 to 25, where it says, In verse 21, Christ is our example. Here, he is our redeemer. Christ's vicarious death makes possible for our response to death, to sins, repentance, and life for God, righteousness. This is New Testament Christian conversion in its broadest application, which Peter describes when he says, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter's intent in quoting Isaiah 53, 5 is to show that personal wholeness, mental, psychological, physical, and spiritual flows from this conversion. So, Again, pretty awesome stuff. Everything goes hand in hand with how God um, works, you know. And as we see, again, Jesus being that ultimate example, and we are called to follow in his steps. Um, and that's just obedience, you know. And when we, to the reason why we recognize days like Good Friday as true Christians and believers is because we can we want to recognize the suffering that the Lord went through, but also it keeps in mind that, you know, all that we think we go through in life, this, any suffering or persecution for our faith, our ultimate example, our savior went through the same, if not worse. So um, if he went through it, we can endure it as well. And we will ultimately live again with him in, in heaven as he's seated with the right hand of the Father, it's going to be an amazing time. I'm really looking forward to that. I, I look forward to it, but I also enjoy my amazing time here on the earth for God to use my life for whatever purposes he has. So, all right, like I said, we're going to flip back to Isaiah 53 now. Again, one of the most incredible prophetic um, pieces of scripture when it comes to the prophecy of Christ coming to this earth the first time and his uh, ultimate death and resurrection. So let's look, we'll read, and then we're going to actually break it down into two halves because it there's so much in here. I just want to look at verses 1 through 5, and then we'll finish up and look at verses 6 through 12. So starting at Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, 
there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried out our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. So let's look at the, again, Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Bible that I look into. has some great notes here for all these passages. So looking at the note for Isaiah 53, verse 2, it says, A root out of dry ground expresses the obscurity of the Messiah's origin. No form, desire him, lament his death. Jesus' trial and crucifixion were nothing to desire. And then the note for verse 53, verse 3 says, Acquainted with grief, to be our perfect high priest, Christ Jesus had to know our griefs by experience. Um, and then looking at the note here for 53, verse 4, it says, Has borne, carried. These verbs mean to take upon oneself or to carry as a burden. Obvious references to vicarious suffering. The remainder of the chapter speaks of the servant's vicarious suffering, grief, sorrows. These nouns have reference to sickness, both spiritual and physical, smitten by God. The servant's suffering is part of God's prov providential plan. Then finishing up with the note here for verse 53, verse 5, transgressions, iniquities, are literally wickedness and rebellion. Are, the pronoun is emphatic. He suffered not for himself, but for mankind's sins and sickness. Stripes healed. Peter, excuse me, Peter sees this as referring to Christ on the cross. So, again, just looking through here, we're going to look at the kingdom dynamic note for verses or excuse me, for Isaiah 53, where it says, Purposes of the crucifixion, atonement, and abundant life. Messiah's coming. This is the best-known prophecy of the crucifixion in the Bible, and both Matthew and Peter quote from it. Writing eight centuries before Christ, Isaiah made incredibly accurate statements concerning the facts of the crucifixion. But more importantly, he spoke of the purpose of the cross. In Christ's suffering and death, he bore more than our sins. The penalty for sin is death, but Christ did not need to suffer as he did to prove, excuse me, Christ did not need to suffer as he did to provide atonement. This chapter tells us why he suffered. He suffered to bear our griefs and sorrows, and he suffered for our peace and healing. Surely atonement for sin is our greatest need. Yet God, sending his son to suffer and die, provided more than an escape from judgment. He provided for abundant life beginning today. So, pretty incredible note there. And, and again, it, it, where it's saying that Christ, you know, he came to this earth not only to fulfill the purpose of his death and resurrection, 
but to bear our griefs and sorrows so that he 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 developed a full understanding of all that we go through in life all the struggles he can identify and relate to everything you know when he had a friend die lazarus he cried you know jesus shed tears because he was sad he felt human emotion he was the only God man to ever live. That's the incredible thing about Jesus Christ. He was 100% God, 100% man in the flesh. You talk about a duality there that is, is mind blowing, absolutely incredible. Yet he was here. And again, when you think of that very um, composition of character and, and being, the fact that he was such a, a humble, amazing suffering servant and he's the ultimate display of love that god has for us you know he he gave us two simple commandments you know um love your neighbor as you love yourself (laughs) you know um treat others how you want to be treated if we followed if the world imagine what a different world it would be like if just those two simple things were applied by everyone in life um Recently, I had an interesting experience with a neighbor. I live right now currently in some close quarters, if you will. And they were just really uh, very rude, playing some very loud music. And it was just inappropriate, frankly. And, um, you know, at first, my flesh wanted to just go and handle it the way most people would. Just, you know, bang on a door and ask them, you know, whatever. But I prayed about it. I let I let God just speak to me and you know he gave me quite the alternative a very peaceful resolution to the situation and it it served a dual purpose if you will i had my children with me so i was able to show them an example of how to treat others how you would want to be treated and to love your neighbor as you love yourself and it also gave me an opportunity to truly apply those things, you know, and it was a life changing experience to, to anybody else. It was nothing to myself though. And what, what I learned in that small little bit of time, I can now see the fruit of that obedience and the fruit of truly applying those simple little lessons that Jesus taught. And, you know, um, it's an incredible thing. Is the music going to stay down? I don't know, but I can tell you this the peace and joy I have in, in handling it. I feel like the way the Lord led me to, instead of just being in the flesh, it, it, it was life-changing and it showed me and confirmed and reaffirmed again, the, the wisdom and the true applicable things that God teaches us in his word and through his living word, Jesus Christ. So Let's look at again, um, quickly, verse 5 of Isaiah 53, where he says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So looking at the kingdom dynamic note here, it says, Healing prophesied through Christ's atonement, divine healing. Isaiah 53 clearly teaches that bodily healing is included in the atoning work of Christ, his suffering and his cross. The Hebrew words for griefs and sorrows specifically mean physical affliction. This is verified in the fact that Matthew chapter 8 verse 17 says this Isaiah text is being exemplary fulfilled in Jesus' healing 
people of human sickness and other physical need. Further, that the words born and carried refer to Jesus' atoning work on the cross is made clear by the fact that they are the same words used to describe Christ bearing our sins. These texts unequivocally link the grounds of provision for both our salvation and our healing to the atoning work of Calvary. Neither is automatically appropriated, however, for each provision, a soul's eternal salvation or a person's temporal physical healing, must be received by faith. Christ's work on the cross makes each possible. Simple faith receives each as we choose. Incidentally, a few contend that Isaiah's prophecy about sickness was fulfilled completely by the one-day healings described by Matthew chapter 8.17. A close look, however, will show that the word fulfill often applies to an action that extends throughout the whole church age. So, interesting, again, note there about one of the I, I proclaim this when I pray for somebody who has physical illness. I proclaim that by his stripes we are healed. It says, you know, um, that we are healed by faith. We are saved by faith. We are all given a measure of faith. And that faith can be nurtured, grown, and developed, I believe, as we live and walk through the um, different trials we endure in life. One amazing product of those trials and tribulations is the faith that's produced when we see God in a whole new light, when he reveals himself in different ways that he truly can only sometimes reveal himself to us by getting a hold of us and putting us through those trials and tribulations to build that faith. Um, does it mean that everybody that is prayed for that is not healed doesn't have faith? No, that doesn't mean that at all. God's timing is God's timing, and sometimes we're given sicknesses and afflictions to keep us in different areas of life. It's a mystery to me, but Paul spoke clearly about the thorn in his side, quote-unquote, some sort of illness he had that you know he prayed many times about that God would not take away, that he eventually learned to live with in peace. I know I have physical things here and there, physical ailments that... You know, of course, as a man, I, I um, you know, again, <laughs> nothing too serious, thankfully. I, I have a whole healthy, very strong body. But, you know, there's physical, just little things. I'll say this. We all have our little imperfections that we know about ourselves, you know, that, um, again, people may not even <laughs> recognize or even acknowledge or even know that we have those things. But um, that there are things that just remain with us for whatever reason, sometimes to keep us humble, sometimes to keep us meek, you know, and, um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that's, if God chooses to work that way in our lives, that's how he chooses to work. But I do believe that God also does heal. And I do, <laughs> I'm not talking about the stuff you see on TV where these guys are walking around and putting their hands up and people are falling all over the place. I believe in none of that stuff. I believe in no can Kandahari spirit look it up I don't believe in the 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 um the the uh Toronto blessing and all that stuff I believe that was totally demonic I believe that was Satan infiltrating the church I don't believe in any type of uh any shaking or or any of that uh violent movement put it this way anything that's confusing and it is out of order in, in a church service I do not believe that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit operates in a very 
um, very logical, functional, applicable way. And um, again, the stuff you can see on TV and, and online these days, if you look certain things up, is I do not believe they were ever of God. I don't believe they are the Holy Spirit. Again, everything I read in the Bible, there's very um, logical and sane order to how God conducts himself and moves through people. And again, when you see some of these uh, people, these people on TV walking around, putting their hands up and people are falling all over the place. And I, I'm sorry, um, nothing is biblical about that. Um, I do, again, believe that the Holy Spirit moves very powerfully when, at in his time. And it, can God heal 100 people at once? Absolutely. But when it comes down to um, chaos and anarchy within the body and within the service uh, within the church, I do not believe that's God. And there's um, been studies done on that, uh, especially that Toronto blessing stuff. It still goes on today in some churches. I mean, I still know people that have those violent movements and shakings and things of that nature. But again, um, that's something that should be repented of and prayed about and let, ask the Holy Spirit to truly reveal himself to you. Because if you look at a lot of those places that partake and partook in that stuff, they are they are full of spiritual immaturity as well. If you listen to their messages, they're very uh, open to interpretation, if you will. And um, frankly, the places I've seen and visited that, again, engage in those types of practices don't have very spiritually mature people. Um, there's usually only one pastor, maybe with his wife, and they're the leaders of the church. There's no councils there. There's no um, older deacons. There's there's no older Christians there to um, really keep the order in the church, if you will. And that's a big red flag right there, because that also is very ungodly and unbiblical. They're, we're called to have a, a council, a, a system of checks and balances, if you will. Even Jesus had 12 people that rolled around with him all the time. So, you know, there's, there's always a... Um, there's always a, 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 a good background to have when it comes to and a good uh, number of voices to be had in a body of believers for good reason, you know, because, again, you don't ever want to stray away and fall under false spirits and false teachings like, unfortunately, the church has fallen into over, you know, since its inception and you know, we, I pray for people. I, I pray for anybody involved in that. I pray for all the old groups that I've seen or were involved with in the past. I still pray for them to this day because, you know, when you come out of uh, legalism or you come out of false, uh, you know, um, <laughs> false engagements with the Holy Spirit, if you will, you, you know, you, you see that the lies in that, you see the emptiness, you see the struggles and, um, you see the chaos sometimes and, you know, to, as if you truly have a heart of God and truly care about people, you, you don't want them to be going through that. So, um, you don't want that to be part of their life any more than you wanted it to be part of yours.